Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. I don't know if you're like me, but uh, I kind of enjoy stories and figures that are bigger than life. Anybody with me on that? I, I'm, I, I kind of I like the Avengers. Anybody, anybody an Avengers fan? Huh? My favorite Avenger of all of them. No, no, no offense, but about it. It's Cap. Steven Rogers. Captain America. You know why? Because he's an average, an average everyday Joe. If you saw the movie, the, the original Captain America movie, he's a little scrawny fella. But he's got the biggest heart in the planet, man. Got right convictions, got a right heart, got a, got a right desire, man. And he just wants to have an impact and he wants to serve well. He wants to honor his beliefs well. And he's trying to find, definitely to find a way to convey that. And through the course of his heart being on display among people that, that, that can make a difference, he finds himself involved in that program. And something that seems absolutely impossible, Brian, takes shape. And he gets to serve and serve well and change the hearts and the lives of people. He's just an average guy. Can I tell you something this morning? God is looking for average people. You don't have to be the best. You don't have to be the most athletic. You don't have to be the most intelligent. You don't have to be the most of anything. You have the most degrees. have the most money. You don't have to have any of that. God is looking for average people. He can show his grace and his mercy and his power to and display those things through. We could be those people. He's looking for people who have a huge heart. He's looking for people who, who may be from the outside very weak and very frail. He's looking for people who may be very average, but he, we may be very average or even below average in natural terms. We might be, in physical terms, average or below average. We might be, in intellectual terms, average or below average. We might be, in, in, in the form of, of, of earthly perspective, uh, Less than, all, less than what people expect. But those are exactly the people God's looking for. Those who've turned their hearts towards him and those who, who will live, as Hebrews 12, 1 says, the life of faith, stripping off every weight that slows them down, especially the sin that so easily trips them up and will run with endurance the race God has set before, uh, before them. You know what God wants us to do over the next few minutes and probably for the next little bit of time? Um, he wants to help, help us learn how to be those people. There are several examples of this kind of averageness that God takes over and displays something through. I heard, I saw a little piece of video uh, this past week as... Um, you know, it was the big game yesterday, right? And I saw a piece of video of Urban Meyer kind of ripping on the, the Buckeye football team during summer practices. And he said words like this, we don't want average. Who wants average? Who wants to deal with average? We're better than average. And he, he just, just, I mean, just, you know, inspiring coach type talk, you know what I mean? The funny part about it is, Urban Meyer may not take average, 
But Jesus will take average every time. Jesus will take average and make something eternally significant out of it. He will take average and do something amazing with it. There's an example of this. We've started down the journey of Hebrews 11 last week. We've worked clear through Hebrews 10. And God's going to teach us different things about faithful witnesses. Witnesses for our God, for our King, for our Savior, for our, fra- for our friend. And these witnesses will be the first of a set, what we're going to learn about today, the first of a set of faithful witnesses. We talked last week about what faith really looks like, what faith really is in accordance with the Scripture. And if you don't know, if you, if you need to catch up on that, you can go check out the, the, the Church Tea podcast. If you, don't, if you don't have us on our website and on iTunes and all that crazy stuff, if you need, if you need a CD, we can get that for you. But, but you know what? Um, we want you to know what God says about things, not just what people think. I'm not here because I want to tell you what, you, what, what, what a person thinks. I want to tell you what God says. I want to use the examples of what God gives, and I want, to, I want you to, to, to be compelled to grow into being a faithful witness of Christ, for Christ. So in Hebrews 11:4, if you need a Bible, there's a yellow one in front of the, in front of you. If you need, if you got like you know electronic devices, iPads and smartphones stuff, then you can log on to you version if you got that app, and you'll find Church T there, and we'll uh, work together through these pieces of Scripture. Hebrews 11:4, it says these words: It was by faith that Abel, Abel brought a more acceptable offering. To God than Cain did. Abel's offerings gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of his gifts, although Abel is long dead. He still speaks to us by his example of faith. The story of Abel and Cain and Abel is here. Some of you may know, some of you may not. I don't take for granted anymore that people know things are in the scripture. In case you haven't recognized, we, we have kind of come, gone in a, the direction of a culture that people don't know about Cain and Abel. And so if you indulge me for just a minute, I'm going to kind of read a piece of scripture that explains who Cain and Abel are. Cain and Abel were found in Genesis chapter 4. They are the offspring of Adam and Eve. And in verse 1 of Genesis 4, you find these words. Now, Adam had sexual relations with his wife, Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said... With the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some, important piece of information right there, some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. And the Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. The story would go on to say he became so angry and so dejected and rejected that he took upon himself such hatred existed inside of Cain that he he commits the first murder on the planet. Kills his brother. Scriptures here say in in, in Hebrews 11 that by faith, Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's going to teach us anything. We have to learn something. Faith, faith must result in surrender. 
Faith has to result. If, it, if it's truly God faith, like we learned about last week in Hebrews 11, 1 through 3, it has to result in trust, which comes to the bear in the, in the idea of surrender. The difference here between Cain and Abel was not that of just ceremony and bringing something. It was, the, it was actually the idea of the heart. The word there is gave evidence. Is that what it says? Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man. There was something going on. It wasn't the gift itself per se, so much as it was the condition of Abel's heart that it conveyed. The surrenderedness, the trust, the love for the things of God, the submittedness to God's plan, God's mission, God's heart was all encompassed in the giving of that sacrifice. And so if we're going to walk in faith, if we're going to be people of faith and say we believe, we cannot just live the way we want to live. We have to live in accordance to consecration and commitment to God, which translates into a life of surrender. That's eight, that is, that is, that, that, that's the difference. I came across a, 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 a piece of... of uh, research about this piece of scripture. It talks about formality without faith and grace not being accepted. If you're merely just a formalized Christian, if there's no real faith, no real trust in God, if there's not a real embracing of grace, your sacrifice, even your time here with the rest of us, God does not even acknowledge. There has to be a place where trust and surrender, faith and grace collide together. Matthew Henry would say these about these words we read about Cain and Abel in Hebrews 11. Cain was a formalist and had not a a principle of special grace. It is observable in their principles. Abel acted under the power of faith. Cain only from the force of education or natural conscience. You may be in church right now because you just think it's the thing to do. You, your mama taught you, your grandpa taught you, your whoever taught you, and you're home for the weekend, and so you just got to show up to church. Formerly wearing, you know, we're pretty, here, here's what I have to say to you. If you wonder why we turn off the lights, if you wonder why, you know, this guy doesn't wear a tie and sometimes he wears a t-shirt, if you want to know, we're not too caught up with formality. I don't care, I don't care if you, if while we're worshiping, you sit and be still before the Lord. There is a place for that. But I do care that your heart is completely wrapped around what God says and what God does. Some of us will stand and we will worship and we will bawl and we will cry and we will shout and we will do all sorts of things. And hopefully that's not formality either. Hopefully there's heart and passion and zeal for the things of God attached. We can go either way with it. We can be absolutely formal and end up in a place of just somber solitude and religiosity. And I found I have lived in this way most, if not all, of my life. And I found people who claim to be non-formalized, non-religious people who still run through the rigmarole. This their rigmarole looks different because they clap and they whoo, 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 and they walk out the door, and then their faith really has no bearing on the rest of their life. We're all being religious if we're doing that. Doesn't matter how loud it is. God's not looking for formality. He's looking for heart. He is looking for a life that says, all to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever, listen to these words, love and trust him in his presence daily live. 
Those aren't just words on a screen. We're not just throwing them up there just to have a good time. That is the God. I don't know if you recognize that. That is the gospel we're singing on those words. That is the truth of the scripture. And my prayer and my moment is they will teach you as much as I do. I pray you walk out of here and you, you are so inspired and empowered that you just can't really stand it. That you're, you want life to be different. You want to be a wholehearted servant of Christ. I, did I tell that story last week, last week about little Benjamin? How he told me church was bowring. Did I tell you that, guys? Huh? My nephew Benjamin? I didn't say it. Did I say it in here? Did I tell you guys that story? I thought I did. No, it happened Friday night last week. We go Friday night. And so he tells me about this, how he, we were riding together in Patrick and Leah's van. And he says, he, first he told me he hated Odyssey. Anybody know what Adventures in Odyssey is? Odyssey, Bowring, Uncle Aaron. Samuel make us listen to it all the time. I want music. And so I turn on, trying to find the music on the thing. And all of a sudden, a couple minutes later, he's like, Uncle Ann, I don't like church. I said, why not, Benjamin? It's boring. He just asked for music, and then he goes, all we do is sing, 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 sing. <laughs> That's what I said. But here's the classic piece of the puzzle. After he tells me that on Friday night, he even said, he said, we're, you go, he asked, we're usually we're sitting right here on the front pew together. You go to church, Uncle Alan? Dude, half the time I hold you during service, so I don't know, yeah. And so Patrick gets home, stays after service a little while later on, on, on Sunday afternoon, gets some work done here at the church, and he goes home. He goes home to find Benjamin standing on the dining room table, pretending he has a microphone, and singing word for word one of the songs we were just singing Sunday. Hey, I don't care if you think this is boring or not. If you go home singing, we've accomplished our task, man. I'm just telling you. Patrick said he thought he was some kind of rock dude or something. He was just prancing back and forth all over the place. Formality without faith and grace is not accepted in God's sight. A sacrifice of faith, which is translated trust, surrender, and thanksgiving, came was merely a thank offering devoid of faith. Did you catch that? My dear, we're going to say these words. Cain brought only a sacrifice of acknowledgement. He says, a mere thank offering. The fruit of the ground, which might and perhaps must have been offered in innocency. But here's the problem. Here was no confession of sin. No regard to the ransom. This was an essential defect in Cain's offering. See, that's why I said what I said at the beginning here. You may have been thankful Thursday. And gorge yourself till you were silly. Okay? But if that gratitude does not translate into a life of complete trust and surrender, even that means nothing. That's what the story of Cain and Abel teach us. God wants our gratitude, yes, but he wants our gratitude offered to him in the form of not just the, the normal rote of everything that we do that seems ceremonial. He wants it in the scope of how we live, how we interact, what we do, how we pray, how we think, how we interact with other people, how we give away the gospel, how we give generously to other things. He, he wants that to be the consuming of all of our lives. That's what Abel teaches us. 
1 John 3.12 says, We must not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil and his brother had been doing what was righteous. The moment was, the, the, the idea is this. Those sacrifices were not the, the, the problem themselves. It was what was going up to and leading after those sacrifices. So we should not be like that. We should be not like Cain, but like Abel. You know what's cool about this? I didn't, I didn't put this in your notes, but it just hit me yesterday morning. You know, I'm pretty frail. Okay? I forget things easily. And so I had a funeral to do yesterday, and I got up early yesterday morning and started uh, kind of go, go back to what I was going to say. And um, I kind of make it a regular habit with the holiday. I got kind of sidetracked. Like every day I will go back through whatever I intend to, to talk about on Sunday. I'll kind of hit it like every day. And so a couple days have gotten past me. Had a funeral in the middle of the week as well. I've had a really crazy kind of a week. And so I've kind of, and I wake up yesterday morning and I realize that I have no notes for today. And I'm getting ready to go to the funeral that I'm still trying to make sure I got what God wants me to say. I had its own special kind of pretenses and things attached to it. And so I kind of go into frantic mode, kind of. Because for those of you who don't understand, for a pastor, a funeral is an all day long thing. You got to be there when the viewing starts. You got to, you know, be there throughout the thing. You go to the graveside, and you know, there's all sorts of things that go on. And so, for me, that's not just like I go in, go out, and walk on. I, I got a whole, and then I got a whole lot of stuff leading up to and before that, and and then the heaviness of a family who's grieving just kind of stays attached to you. And so, even when you walk away, you're not really walking away. So all of a sudden, I realized this is the whole day already, and boy, I'm not even, I don't know what to do. And so I, I, I kind of went, and I realized, gentlemen, I'm sorry I missed breakfast yesterday, but at about quarter till nine, I'm like, oh, crud, men's breakfast is today. I haven't had a shower. I haven't done anything. Ah! I need to be on the road by 1030-ish. So I can be ready and kind of in scope because everything starts around noon in another town. And I'm just kind of, yeah, I just don't have time. So when I was getting ready yesterday, I, I realized something I left out of this idea about Abel. His faith leaves a legacy. His faith affects the lives of other people. You know how I know that? Because we're talking about him. Nearly 6,000 years later, his faith left us a legacy, an impact. You see, your faith, if it's just your faith, you hear this talk in our culture all the time. Well, he's got his faith. Listen, if your faith doesn't leave an imprint, it's not faith. If it doesn't leave a legacy, it's not faith. If you keep it all to yourself, it's not faith. Not the God kind of faith. Faith leaves a legacy. Abel doesn't even have biological children by which this comes. That we, are, we get to be spiritually connected as a family to Abel. And he didn't have any lineage like Abraham had. It leaves a legacy. Faith reproduces. Faith multiplies. And some of you have said you have faith for a long time. But there is no imprint on the life of another person even to bear that out. And Jesus left us a commission to go and make disciples. And what I'm telling you right now is if you have faith like Abel, it should leave an imprint. 
There should be people around your life who are forever changed by the faith that exists on the inside of you. There should be coworkers and neighbors, nephews and nieces, grandchildren and great-grandchildren, both physically and spiritually, who have the imprint of God upon their lives because you were a part of their world. Our faithfulness, faith resolves into faithfulness, trust and surrender. To be full of faith creates in us an attitude and an atmosphere of being faithful, like Christ, and carrying on a legacy. The scriptures say, although Label is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. Those are amazing words. My plan, my hope is that long after I'm gone, Long after I have ceased to, to take my, my last breath, long after that will be a, there will be people left going, man, that was following Jesus. That was chasing God. Man, grandpa did that for me. Man, dad left that for me. Dude, my life will never be the same because I worked alongside that dude. Man, my life will never be the same because I lived next to him. I want that. I would be lying if I said otherwise. Not for my own glory because I want the kingdom of God to expand. My obligation is to ensure that eternity is populated with people who put their faith in Christ. And that's not just because I'm a pastor. That's because I'm a follower of Christ. Jesus gave the commission to all of us. Go and make disciples. He gave evidence. Is what the word there means to give evidence. It gave witness to. It spoke well of. It commends. It speaks of respect. It vouches for. And so Abel teaches us this. That simplifying means this. Doing only what God wants the way he wants it. You can't offer to God something he doesn't want. And can I tell you right now what he wants more than anything from you? He doesn't want your penance or your tip on the table. He wants your life. We just sung on the screen. Sung from the thing. Take it all, take it all, my heart in your hand. I've just been reading this week in my devotions through parts of Exodus and the Old Testament. And there's these things of sacrifices and offerings. And God would have them sacrifice things and he would, he would, he would, they would hold them up to the Lord. Sin offerings and things. They, 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 those, those, those goats and sheep and cows would represent their own lives. And what they would do, they'd raise them up with all the running down their arms where they had sacrificed all the blood and all the stuff. They were going, God, take my life. Fine, I want to be near you. I want to be acceptable in your sight. I want to know you. I want to walk. Take my life. And they had no assurance in the Old Testament that, that, that their, their, their gifts would be accepted. But today in the New Testament, because of the sacrifice of Christ, his righteousness is given to us. And God says, I'll take it. I want you. So today, when you're trying to give God just certain things, like, hey, I'll buy, you know what? I'll be a really good person this year. I will. I will. I will buy coats and hats and, 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 and gloves for, for, for foster kids, for orphan kids. I will do that. If you're doing that in replace of giving your whole life, thanks. But you're missing the point. You're missing the point. If you're trying to skirt around the idea of complete surrender and wholehearted consecration to God, you're missing the point. 
And I appreciate your willingness to help. It's a godly thing. But listen, if that's just a skirt around, you're missing it. I would rather have a group of people who are wholeheartedly committed to God, who, 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 would, who, would, who would live out their life, than, than, than give away all the codes we could possibly give away. I mean that. And I'm impassioned. I love, I, man, I, every time I look at little Benjamin, man, my heart just, <laughs> you know why? Because he reminds me of me. When I had no hope, when I had no help, when there was not anything that I could do to help myself, you know what? Somebody reached into my world and he brought me into his family. Now, I'm not an orphan kid. I'm not a foster kid. My parents are sitting right over there. They were great parents. Don't misconstrue what I'm saying. What I'm saying is at a spiritual level, I was lost and I was helpless. When I sing those words, when I, those, those mean something. When I hear, we talk about the cross and Emmanuel, God, with, something gets a hold of my heart and I go, oh, thank you for setting me free, Jesus. Thank you for making a way for me. I want to give you what you want, not just what I feel like giving you at the time. Wow. Simplifying means doing only what God wants the way he wants. Abel teaches us that. His life ends pretty badly. And so even living a life of faith does not mean that everything ends well. But there's always other stories. So we'll go to one of those. Want to do that? Let's read on, verse 5 and 6. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, now listen to these words, he was known as a person who pleased God. Verse 6 says, And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Now you may or may not know the story of Enoch from the scripture. Enoch is found in Genesis chapter 5. We've been in just chapter 4 talking about Cain and Abel. Now we're just in chapter 5 talking about Enoch. He was long down the line from Adam and Eve. Verse 21 of Genesis chapter 5 reads like this. When Enoch was 25 or 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. Okay? You know anybody who Methuselah was? He was the oldest man ever lived. 969 years. This is, Enoch is Methuselah's dad. After the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived in, listen to these words, in close fellowship with God for another 300 years. And he had other sons and daughters. Enoch lived 365 years walking in close fellowship with God. Then one day he disappeared because God took him. How cool would that be? I'd go just walk along and soup. I could have swore. I was in Judea. Could have swore. Suddenly, everything's all shiny. And where is that sun anyway? Oh, there he is. Imagine that. Just put yourself there for a minute. Now, there, Enoch teaches us a few things. Faith starts, in Enoch's life, faith starts by believing there's one greater than us. The reason you have trouble with faith because you have a hard time believing that somebody can make better decisions than you can. 
And that's why you believe at times, but you don't really trust or surrender. Faith begins believing that there's somebody bigger than you, greater than you, smarter than you, wiser than you. Been here before you were here, going to be here long after you're gone. That's, what, that's, where, that's where faith starts. Faith starts believing there's one greater than us. That it, it, verse 6 is believing that God exists. This word please, please God means, in several translations, it means to walk with God. Okay, man, I'm signifying the importance to God of not just following commandments, but living out faith through and by relationship you have with him. Okay? Pleasing God doesn't mean you follow the list per se. It means you walk right near him. You listen for his voice. You obey his commands, both the written ones and the nudges. It doesn't mean you're perfect, that you get it all right. It means that God's grace covers you in the midst of your walk. And you are so near to him, it's easy for him to cover you when you mess it, mess it up. Anybody glad for that? Nowhere in this piece of scripture does it say Enoch was a perfect man. No place. You can't find it. Now, he was a very smart man. Methuselah, is, he, was a very connect, he must have been very connected to God. I'll tell you why. Because his son is, is Methuselah. His name... I've read in different, and I'm not a Hebrew-like scholar, so, you know, some of you guys maybe are that. Hello, dude, you're, you're so all wet. I, I read this in a commentary once, and I can't tell you which one. His name really could be rendered, after he is gone, it will be sent. Longest man ever lived. Well, Enoch has a grandson, and we're going to talk about him in a minute. And to find out what will be sent, we'll have to look at his grandson. In just a second, okay? If you want a prophetic verse, Enoch speaks prophetically by naming his son. He was that connected to God. He and God had a good relationship that God would entrust him to know things that not everybody else was grabbing a hold of at the time. Is that good? It infers he walked with God, not that he worked, listen to this, it infers that he walked with God, wait, wait now, not worked for God. Now, out of his life came, came a great work of God, but he walked with God. He wasn't just really concerned about working for God. And see, faith is not, again, this idea of I have to do this to remain in favor with God. I, I have favor with God through the person of Christ God invites me to relationship. I get to walk with God. Out of my life may come a great work of God, but my focus is not the work of God. My focus is the person of God. You get that? Because sometimes we turn it around. Now, when I'm walking with God, he will give me work to do, but the work itself is not the focus. It's the walk with him and the honoring of him and the loving of him and the pleasing of him that gets me where I need to go. This is what Enoch describes to us. This is what he teaches us about faith. Can you check? He, he, he tells us this. God rewards those who chase him diligently. And some of you are frustrated right now because you see no life of reward around you. You keep going through things and all that. And so there has to be a connection because we've talked about Abel and his life ends badly. So is God lying? Is he like talking about both sides of his mouth? That faith it means God rewards you, but somehow Abel, you know, doesn't go well. And Enoch just gets to walk right into heaven. That's, okay, well, how does that make sense? Because they both receive the same reward. The reward the scripture talks about is not the reward of living here and now. 
It talks about the reward of forever in heaven. That is the reward we chase after. And for some of us, that will mean we'll get to enjoy it in a very easy path. For some of us, that will mean we have to walk a very difficult and hard path. At the same time, we will receive the same reward. Whether we worked for 12 hours in the field or worked for one. Jesus tells a parable about that. The reward for chasing after God, diligently seeking Him, is that we get to enjoy heaven forever in a place there will be no darkness, no disease, no depression, no, no stealing, no hurting, no rioting, no racial mess up. No, none of that stuff is going to be there. Well, come on, Lord Jesus, let's roll. That's what I got to say. He says, yeah, Aaron, let's roll. Finish the mission, buddy. Because the scriptures tell us we should occupy till he comes. And some of you mean, okay, we'll just hurry up and wait. And we'll pray real hard that God will do something. And you know what he chose? He chose you to be the vessel by which the mission will be accomplished. The word occupy doesn't mean to sit and wait like you're waiting for the bus at the bus stop. The word occupy is a military term, which means you enter into a community, into a place, into a region, and you do business for the governing authority. That's what occupy means. That's why they call the West Bank the occupied territory. You understand that? Oh, boy. Faith was the ground of his pleasing God, and his pleasing God was the ground of his translation. Do you get that? Faith was the ground of his pleasing God, and his pleasing God was the ground of his translation. He got translated to heaven. He did not walk through the doorway of death. He walked right into heaven. How stinking cool is that? Good night. Huh? It implies a sudden removal, that word translated, from mortality without death to immortality. Now listen, it sounds really cool, doesn't it? Can I encourage you something from 1 Corinthians 15? Some of us will get to enjoy that moment. The Bible says, in a twinkling of an eye, we will not all die, but we will all be changed. And so what God speaks of about Enoch, he speaks the same to us who will put our faith in Christ. And one day, in love and trust and surrender him, we will walk right from this messed up, mortal, corrupted, crazy planet. We will, in a second, we will be with him in the air with those who have gone on ahead of us. And we will be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Disease will be gone. Death will be gone. Frustration will be gone. Darkness will be gone. Depression will be gone. All this stuff will be gone. Woo! (laughs) Enoch's family had to deal with something that we don't like to deal with. You know what I call it? I've learned this from from Matt Chandler. He, He teaches people this all the time. There's the beauty of the gospel goodbye. When a life's lived well for Christ, sometimes it takes a turn. And when we've lived in the in, in this light of the good news, we have to say goodbye and let them go. Sometimes that's in the form of death. Sometimes that's in the form of them following God's mission, which means what they've been doing, they're not doing anymore, which means they pack up and leave and go someplace to be something for Christ. And we go, woo, go do it. I will see you in heaven. Got a beautiful moment on, on Friday to sit and talk with William and Latanya Webb. They were in town for the weekend seeing grandbabies. Spent about three hours with them, and I just thought of how, how beautiful 
it is to know that they're pursuing Jesus with all their heart, with all their lives. I, 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 I just, just have been a part of the story that makes up their life. is just an immense blessing to me. And God sent them, and they're still sorting out why. And God's, God's going to plug them into a church who's sorting through some things, and, and things are going good for them. You just pray for them that they'll keep following what Christ wants. Though that was the beauty of a gospel goodbye. Hard, yes. Right, yes. Walking with God, yes. Here's the crazy thing. This guy had a testimony too. He leaves us a legacy. Enoch leaves us a legacy. He was known as a man who pleased God, walked with God, most translations say. He had he he have had that witness born to him. The worst days of the New Testament read like this: the testimony, the testimony still stands on record. Enoch's testimony yet speaks to us. We are speaking of him and growing by his testimony right now. He also had a faithful grandson. We'll talk about him probably next week. Now at this point, or not next week? Next week you got to be here. Hey, listen, listen, you got to be here next week. Okay, you have to. I mean, if you, you, I would clean off my, 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 I would just be here. I'm just saying. Because we're going to talk about new life in various forms. If you need to be baptized, we want you to be baptized next Sunday. If you've got a new child in your life that has yet to, to, to be dedicated to the service of God, to, the, to growth and nurture God, we want you to sign up to do that. And we're going to talk about how we can instill a possibility that kids, like we talked about Benjamin, could, could, could have a chance at new life. And so we're going to do that all next week. And so don't, I mean, we'll probably have to pick up with the, the grandson here like two weeks from now. But listen, don't, don't miss next week. And if you have made a commitment of faith to Christ, we want to dunk you in the water. I'm just saying. We want the testimony of Christ to be propagated loud and strong and hard all over the place. We want you to take those steps of growing in faith in Christ. Uh, We want you to to be a proclamation, a herald of the good things of God. We want the blessing of family to be acknowledged here. That God has a good plan and a good future ahead for some children who have have been born and entrusted to the people of this congregation. That we're going to hold them tightly and nurture them well and grow them in things of God so they will become followers of Christ and be every Everything he wants them to be, that is our plan. And so don't miss next week. Okay? Shameless plug. We're speaking of him and growing by his testimony right now. Right now we're growing by what Enoch was, what Enoch did. God's looking for people. God's looking for people who would be people of faith who would no longer skirt around the edges and give them what they want to give him. They would give them their whole self. He's looking for people who would be more concerned about honoring him and pleasing him and walking with him than they are about anything else. Enoch teaches us this, that simplifying means chasing him. Nothing else. That's what Enoch teaches us. If we're going to simplify our lives to be faithful to the call of God, if we're going to simplify to simplify, then the one thing we chase is Him. The one thing we chase. David would write in Psalm 27, this one thing have I sought, this one thing I seek after, that I might dwell in God's house, literally dwell in God's presence all the days of my life. 
That's the one thing. Not many things. Many of you are so scattered and tore up because you're chasing anything and everything. You're chasing the job. You're chasing the car. You're chasing the stuff. You're chasing the notoriety. You're chasing what everybody else is chasing through life. And you feel frazzled and tore up and messed up. You know why? You can't chase all of it. To be a person of integrity means to be a whole person. It means your life is not compartmentalized. That's why worship is a lifestyle. It's not just what we do on Sunday morning in a, in a confined compartment of our life. It is who we are as we walk, as we breathe, as we talk, as we eat, as we work. We are worshiping God and we're not split up in every single direction. Now listen, I do believe this. As you delight yourself in the Lord, he brings certain things to the surface in your heart and he intends to give them to you. That means he gives you an ability and a skill to do a certain kind of job and be a certain kind of person and have influence with people. But that thing is not the goal. The goal is chase him and be faithful to him. And so many times we get the thing turned around. We, 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 we want all, we, we, was that Marie Antoinette said, let them eat cake or something like that? We want our cake and want to eat it too. Am I right? And if you eat the cake, you will be destroyed. It is said of Daniel and his three Hebrew buddies that they refused to eat the delicacies and God still took care of them. Putting their life on the line. Am I asking you to quit your job? No. I'm asking you to chase Jesus. Now! Sometimes chasing Jesus means Jesus says, I want the job. Give me the job. Sometimes chasing Jesus means, hey, I want to move you to a part of town you don't want to live in. Because I want to put you beside people who hurt. And all of that's a blessing. We have worked so hard at building earthly kingdoms that we have forgot that there's a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Jesus wants you. That's my point. Jesus wants you. Jesus wants your heart. He wants your life. He wants to mend the brokenness. But if you don't give it to him, he, he, he can't do that. Because Jesus gave you a gift. He said, listen, I want to give you, I want to give you the, the ability to choose. Then I will know your love is for real. I will know you're serving me because you want to, not because you have to. That you're not a robot. That you, there's passion and zeal and hope. That you realize I paid an ultimate price for you because I loved you that much. And all you want to do in return is give back the, a, a semblance of that love back to me. Listen, wherever you are right now, recognize that God wants you. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter where you're going. It doesn't matter how much work you've done in the church. It doesn't matter how you've screwed your life up. It doesn't matter of all the other things, the other duties and things will put upon you. Listen, God wants you, and today is the day you start giving yourself to him. I don't, it doesn't matter to me how long, how long it's been since you've stopped to listen or stopped to pray. It doesn't matter to me how, 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 how many years you have sitting in that pew, or any pew for that matter. What matters is this, a life that comes alive in Christ. Make it your concern 
not to be the person who's just formally following God. Make it your concern to be the person who from the very innermost being of your life, you echo and replicate the grace and the love and the truth of God. Make it your point that you will not just put together the laundry list of how good you are. You will be like Enoch and you will walk with God and thereby please him. That when the trumpet sounds in 1 Corinthians and 1 Thessalonians 4 talks about, you'll be ready to walk right into heaven. Or if, if death is the doorway by which you achieve heaven, you're ready for that moment when it comes. Some of you are sitting here right now and you've been here for years and you're still not 100% sure. The thought of death scares you to pieces. Listen, son of God, daughter of God, that needs not to be. Death is coming to all of us. I've had to deal with it twice this week. And I've had to deal with people who, have, who, who did not want a preacher. Twice. And if I could explain to you the spiritual warfare that hovers around that moment. Heavy, hard tiresome and I didn't even realize so I drove away yesterday how heavy it was my wife said I expect you to call me on your way home I was like I just needed to process people's lives hang in the balance people and God's looking for people who will please him above everything else and be proclaimers of his goodness and his truth and his faithfulness And some of them don't even want it, but he wants us to proclaim it to them anyway. And if we don't do it, listen, they they have no hope. My prayer this morning is those words I spoke on Wednesday and those words I spoke yesterday yet resound and reverberate inside the chest of somebody that they can't sleep. That's my prayer. Don't let them sleep, Jesus. Don't let them sleep. Let the love and the truth of the gospel resonate until they can't stand it anymore. And they can say that you don't exist, but God, we know that you do. We can't look around except to know that. And I don't want that to be the passion of just my heart. I want every person who considers them a part of Church Triumphant to be so compelled that their workplace has to be different, that their neighborhood has to be different. That, 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 their, that, their, that their family's got to look different. That their, their friends have to start listening and hearing and responding. Not because they're these soapbox, hellfire and brimstone street eaters, but maybe they are. If God wants them to, that's okay. But Book of Jude says, save some by fear, pulling them out of the fire. God needs some like street corner preacher types. Okay? He wants you to be involved in the process. It's a holy moment. You know why it's a holy moment? Because you and him are involved in it together. And that's not just about being here this morning. It is about it, but it's not just about that. This morning, if you would find a place of your life where you said, you know what, I've kind of given God some, but I haven't quite given him all. I've given him some things, but I'm not even sure I've given him what he wants. Today's the day you start the walk of faith and, and become, become the seed of Abel, not the seed of Cain. Not giving him a sum, giving him the best. The best of your affection, the best of your love. You know why you do that? Because he gave the best for you. He laid down his whole life for you. He, he vacated heaven for you. And so heaven wants to take up residency inside of you. 
Some of you need to be like Enoch and go, you know what? I'm just pleasing him. Not seeking to please anybody else. Not trying to make nobody else happy. Not trying to make mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, neighbor, boss. I'm not making them happy anymore. I'm going to walk with Jesus and I just don't, I just don't even care anymore. And maybe it ends well with me like Enoch, and maybe it doesn't end so well for me. Maybe I end up like Abel, but I'm going to end well anyway, one way or the other. Because I'm looking for that reward. I'm diligently seeking after him. If you don't know Christ today, he beckons you to come. His sacrifice is sufficient. If you maybe you've taken some steps backwards, and you've you've, you've come to 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 the edge of faith, and you've been there, and then over the course of the last days, weeks, months, maybe years, you've gotten close to really jumping into that water, but you've, life has pushed back, Satan's pushed back, your flesh has pushed back, and the past has pushed back. Today's the day you put it all up there and you say, Jesus, here's my life. Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churcht.org.